Ephesians chapter 4. Now, last week we went through, I think, verses 1 through 6. I guess today I'm going to be lucky to get through verse 7 today, but we're going to read verses 7 and 8. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now over these next few verses, we're going to see there's a lot of things and it's going to be, we're going to get into it really deep probably because there's a lot going on here. So, but I want to, I want to go back because I, I, I wrote down some notes and I want to read some of the things about it because in this chapter, the apostle Paul considers the oneness and unity of the church in Jesus Christ. Because you know, as we were going at, you know, one in the Bible is considered to be the perfect number, one. And we looked at that, and because it talks about in verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And it says there is one body, one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, there's only one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all is above all and through all, and in you all. So we can see this unity of the church in Christ. He sweetly shows us how as one body, the church is supplied with every suited grace to each member. He closes in an exhortation to love and concord. So when we look at these, and just in this verse here, you could probably do more than just one sermon on verse 7. But he talks about all this oneness. He talks about the unity. And then we have one God and Father of all is above all and through all and in you all. But then he starts out in verse 7, one of my one of my words that I really like really a lot, probably one of my favorite words, but. But he says, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of of the gift of Christ. When we look at it, it says, this is every blood-bought child of God, but unto every one of us. That's what we're going to concentrate on for a little bit of time. But unto every one of us. Every one of us. And Gary, I like it. You've heard me say it before. If we go into, into, into verse 1, we see so many times in Ephesians where he talks about us and we in there. So when... Paul starts out here in verse 7, he says, but unto every one of us. He is including Paul with all of the brothers and sisters in Christ, isn't he? But unto every one of us. See, and we have to understand, you know, it's, it's that same love that God has for his children that saved Paul. It's that same grace, you know, in verse, in chapter two, it says, um, ah, boy, I'm, my memory's going or whatever. For by grace are you saved through faith. For by grace are you saved through faith, net not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So it's, it's interesting as we look in here, but it says, but unto every one of us. 
is given what? Grace. Every one of us. So is given grace. So when we look back here and it says, for by grace are you saved through faith. Who is he talking about? He's talking about that peculiar people saved by the grace of God, that unmerited favor. And when he goes on, he says, according to the measure of the gift of Christ, we can see in chapter 2 in verse in verse 8, it says, it is the gift of God. It is the gift of God. So, but unto every one of us, every one of us, you know, if we look at it, as I was, as I was looking and going through some other, you know, commentaries and everything, a, a, a pretty good thought came into my mind, Brother Roger, and I, I wrote it down and said, Paul had spent a lot of time at Ephesus. You know, we have to understand he spent more time at Ephesus than any other city that he visited and started churches. Can't remember, but it was what, three or four years I spent. I think Paul spent there that he was with unto them. And so I wrote down and for sure he had a lot of friends there, didn't he? So when he's saying, but unto every one of us, we have to look, and I think I might have wrote it down here, but when he talks about the us, we go to chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. So he's talking to his brothers and sisters, his friends that he had at Ephesus, but he's also talking to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Who is, who is that? Who's the faithful in Christ Jesus? There's a lot of us that are here today, just in this little congregation here, that are the faithful in Christ Jesus. So when he says, but unto every one of us, he's talking to them, but he's also talking to us. So I wrote down, I says, you know what? And he had a lot of friends there. And then I wrote down, and I am sure some enemies also. We just have to go in the back into the book of Acts. And we have to remember Demetrius the silversmith. He sat there and, and brought everybody into the amphitheater. And there was a lot of people there. And what is it for the space of four or five hours? I can't remember, Brother Roger. All they chanted was, great is Diana of the Ephesians. This is a city that was wholly given over to idolatry. He had some enemies there because he said, you know, Demetrius and these other silversmiths and these people that were making idols and everything, you know, they're like, hey, you know, we're going to lose our wealth. We're going to lose our money. We're going to lose our businesses because Paul is out there saying that, hey, these gods that are made of silver, stone, whatever, they're not really gods. There's only one God. That was he was preaching there, Brother Roger. There's only one God. That's the God in heaven. That's what he was talking to. So I'm sure he had made some enemies there who didn't really like Paul an awful lot. Because remember, when they were in the amphitheater, Paul was going to go over going in there and talk, wasn't he? And they said, oh, no, 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 we're not going to let you go inside. These people are going to, going to, you know, who knows what they're going to do to you. Because they're mad at you. They're really mad. So, so that's why he says unto every one of us, the saints at Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Paul includes all of us together. Together. Because if we look at it and we go back to verse 4, there's one body. 
Now, Brother Roger knows, we should all know, that a lot of times when they're talking about one body, they're talking about a body. What are they talking about? The church, the congregations. That's what they're talking about. There's one congregation. There's one spirit. We only have one calling. That's an effectual calling. That when Jesus Christ talks to you in that still small voice, says, come unto me. Come unto me. I know you're laboring and you're heavy laden. I know what you're going through. He says, you know what? What is he saying? I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and follow me. What does he say? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So this is what we need to be doing. Paul, you know, he, he gets very personal is here. You know, we were talking earlier, I was talking about a prayer warrior. He was a prayer warrior for the saints at Ephesus and for the brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's, let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. In verse, we're going to read verses 15 through 17. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of him. I'm going to read one more. The eyes of your understanding, the eyes of your heart being enlightened or illuminated, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches, riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. I could probably read on to the whole end of this chapter, Brother Roger. But see, in verse 16, what does he say? He's saying to the people of Ephesus, you know, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So he was a prayer warrior. You know, we have to realize that the Apostle Paul had been to a lot of places, Brother Roger, and he started a lot of churches, didn't he? So he had, he had a lot of people to pray for all the time. That's why I say that the Apostle Paul had to be a prayer warrior. Now, one thing we have to understand is Paul didn't have a lot of things to distract him from being a prayer warrior, did he? And I'm saying, in this world in which we live, we have a lot of things that tries to draw our attention away from what we need to be doing in our lives. And I'm probably guilty of a lot of these things that are, are keeping us away. You know, watching TV, on our cell phones. That's probably one of my, one of my biggest things. I'm, I'm always on my cell phone. My wife says, I don't know what would you do if you would take your cell phone away from you. And, but that, that, see, these are the things that draw us away from being a prayer warrior in the world today. I guess I'm, maybe I should be envious of Brother Roger with his little bitty flip phone and whatever, you know, and it, it, it doesn't detract from him being a prayer warrior in the world today. You know, we need more prayer warriors in the world today. That's for sure. So, you know, there, there's things that, that draw us away from these things. You know, 
So we look at it, you know, and it's, you know, how awesome he is unto us, you know, that when he makes mention of us in his prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit, go into the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So remember, Paul sat there and said, I save to know nothing else among you but what? Jesus Christ and him crucified. There you go. I don't want to know, I don't want to know anything else. There's nothing. See, Paul was like, you know, there's nothing else in this world that is more important to me than Jesus Christ and him crucified. Because Paul realized, remember, we're, we're talking about Paul. He was the one that crucified the church, crucified, and sat there and went and tried to find those who were of the way, the believers of Jesus Christ, and bought them, brought them back to Jerusalem to the council that they would pass judgment. And pretty much either you, you know, you deny Jesus Christ or pay the consequences. And I don't know what those consequences were. But see, that's who Paul was. And then on the road to Damascus, a bright light shone round about him, and Jesus talked to him. Paul, Saul, Saul, why, why did thou persecute me? Why art thou persecuting me? What did, what did Saul say? Who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. What will you have me to do? Do the things that I'm telling you to do. Things took a very pivotal, pivotal turn in the beginning of the church at that time. Because when it says, after Paul's conversion, what did it say? Then there was peace in the churches. There was peace in the churches. So, you know, God was in control of that entire situation, wasn't he? We have to believe that he was in control, or else how could he be God? You know, as Roger is talking about, you know, he's in control of everything. But, so he knew all of this. He knew, for whatever reason, he allowed Paul to do the things he did. And even when he was converted in his conversion and he came back to Jerusalem, everybody was afraid of him. It took a while for the apostles to get to, shall I say, Brother Wright, warm up to him, you know what I mean? And to realize that he had truly been converted. So we can see that unto every one of us, we can see these things, but unto every one of us is given grace. We're given grace. The grace of God is given or bestowed upon every blood-bought child of God. Every single one of us. And it's amazing when we look at this and see that grace of God. And we look at it, I wrote down some things. This grace may be interpreted of justifying, pardoning, 
adopting, sanctifying, and persevering grace given to us liberally. And see, you know, Jesus doesn't give it to us grudgingly and without motive or condition. Because if it was any motive or condition on our part, we wouldn't get it. He wouldn't get it, not at all. Turn, turn back just for a quick second into 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We can see this. You know, he, he gives different things to us, doesn't he? Chapter 12, we're going to read verses 4 through 14. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Remember, it said there's only one spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. Remember when we were talking in Ephesians 4, there's only one Lord. And there are diversities of operation, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. There's only one God and one Father who is above all and through all, and he's in you all. And it says here that he works all in all. He works everything according to the counsel of his own will. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing to the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, but all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. So I want us to look that, you know, he, in verse 11 he says, but all these work at that one and the self-same spirit to divide every man severally as he will. So he, he gives each and every one of us. And I guess we look at it because it kind of goes on for the foot shall say because I'm not the hand. You know, but if we look at it, if all were preachers, where were the congregation? If all were a congregation, we wouldn't have a preacher. So God gives different gifts within the church as he wills and puts them into the church. In verse 12, for as the body is one. The body is one and hath many members. So now, let me fold that over there. You have to understand that there's a, a double meaning in here. Because if we look at it, whereas the body is one and hath many members, we know we have one body, don't we? I don't know if you want to have two Daves, but there's one body. And we have all these different members in our body. We have our, our, our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our nose to smell, our mouth to eat, a tongue that we can taste. We have 
fingers, don't we? We have fingers, we have arms, we have elbows, you know. We got knees and toes. I'm starting to think of the song that, that Jackson sings. Head, body, knees, and toes or whatever, you know. And I'm like, but that's what it is. We're, we're one body and there's many members, right? But he's also talking about the body as the church. And as a church, there's many members in the church. And each has their own gifts that God gives to each and every one. And he puts people into the church for a reason, Brother Roger, each and every one of us. And as people get older, we can see that the Bible says some of the members that seem to be more feeble, right, are the ones that are more important to the church. Now, I'm not saying Brother Roger is feeble, but Brother Roger is an important th- person for us, but we, we can see, we can see, if you can't, I don't, that, you know, Brother Roger has had faith in our Lord and Jesus Christ for a long time. Because he's, he's still here upon the earth. Because we can see that if the doctors would have had their way, he would have been dead a long time ago. But God had something else in mind for Brother Roger. He's going to continue to minister. Now we got to understand, I'm not saying that he's going to be always up here preaching, but he's ministering to the people in this church all the time. Just by him being here, he's ministering unto us. And as I was talking with Sister Geneva the other day, and I kind of wanted to remind her, I says, you know, Sister Geneva, I know what's in your heart. I know what's in your heart, Sister Geneva. I know you want to be at church. I says, but I know the physical limitations you have are making that impossible to be here to church. The church is praying for you. The church knows that you would like to be here, but you can't at this point in time. I know she might go out and do things here and there, but to try to climb those stairs and get up into here, it would be physically impossible for her to do those things. So I reminded her that she's an important part of our congregation just because of the will that she has to keep going on. And I told her, I says, you know, have faith, Sister Geneva. Have faith. Have faith in God. Remember, God's not going to give you any much more than you than, than you can take. He's going to be there for you to help you to get through all of these things. So I'm hoping that what I said under her would lift her up. But when we look at this, and, you know, we're looking, now I lost Ephesians. But when it says, we look at here, and we look at these first five, six, verse, six verses, but when we look in here, it says, for by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. So we can see that perfect number one, that one spirit 
one baptism and one body. And it says whether we're, we're Jews or Gentiles. Because remember in Ephesians, what is it, chapter 3, he broke down that middle wall of partition. No, that's 2, chapter 2, I believe. Broke down that middle wall of partition between Jew and Gentile. He broke that down. Whether we bond or free and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body, the church or our physical body is not one member or one part, but many. We're many. And God makes us all work together to have what, Brother Roger? Unity in the church. Unity in the church. You know, when we look at this, we've seen, but unto every one of us is given grace. You know, grace, grace, wonderful grace. I think the song says, what is it? It comes from the Father above. You know, Brother Roger, I know he's, he's quoted this passage, but every, every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from who? The Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Do we realize how, how important that is? There's no variableness. There's no changing in him. Neither shadow of turning. He doesn't turn. Because we can rest assured that once your name has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life, it's never coming out. It's never coming out. We thank God for that all the time. But all the things, all of these things are according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So all these things did, this gift of grace that he gives unto us, is according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And it's a free gift that he gives unto us. It's awesome. Grace is bestowed upon all true Christians. Two Christians, and all have enough to enable them to live a life of holiness. I can't remember if it's later on, but you know, Brother Roger, he gives each of us a measure of grace. Now, he might give some a little bit more measure than others. But what he wants us to do, and I'm going to get to a little bit, he doesn't want us to get, what, jealous of each other. Because when we see somebody else, you know, when I look at at, at um, Brother Jimmy and Brother Zach with the preaching they have, Brother Jimmy with his podcast, Brother Jimmy um, was teaching uh, the Bible study last week. He's going to teach it this week about a verse going on and showing that some people think that these verses shouldn't be in the Bible. But... My think is this, and I think that's what Brother if it was in this King James Version of the Bible, it was meant to be there. And so many people are trying to remove the deityship of Christ. You can't take that away. So we look at these things. You know, yet, yet we're taught here. We are taught here some things. The first thing we're taught 
it is a gift. It says it's a gift. According to the measure of what? The gift of Christ. It is a gift. It is bestowed upon us. If we look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses well, 8 and 9, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, neither of works than any man should boast. It's the gift of God. It's not of works. It's not of works because if we say it's, it's works, then how can it be the gift of God? Because if it's works, you can do it. You can do it. I can do it, but we can't. It's the gift of God. And this grace that is bestowed upon us is the gift of God. Turn back into the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12. For I say through the grace given unto me, I'm sorry, chapter 12, verse 3. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So he's given to each one of us a measure of faith. He's given us a measure of grace that is given unto each and every one of us. It's awesome when we see these things. Okay, the first thing we said, it's a gift. Second thing, it is by a certain measure, because he says it's according to the measure of the gift of Christ. But we wanted to say, first off, that this is a gift of Christ. Then it's by a certain measure given into each one. The same grace is not given to all, just what we were just talking about. It's not given to all. But to all is given enough grace to enable them to live life as they ought to live. So we might have a different measure of faith, but to all is given grace. All of us is given grace, a certain measure given to each and every one of us. So when we look at this, we can see. And we can't be envious of one another. Because I think one of the good examples, and I, and I know... You know, you might not think little old Mount Zion that here up here in Crown Point is known, you know, but we have three preachers here. Brother Roger, Brother Leroy, and myself. And there's no envy among any of us as far as I know. Each one of us has a different gift that has been given of God. And that how we can be together as three preachers. There's a lot of people out there that know about Mount Zion Church, and they have three preachers, and we haven't tore each other up yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, you know, we, we've got different gifts. we got different grace a measure of grace that has been given to us. We've got a different measure of faith that has been given to each one of us. Brother Roger preaches one way. Brother Leroy preaches another way. I preach a different way. But all of that works together for what? The glory of God. Not the glory of Roger, not the glory of Leroy, or not the glory of Dave, but to the glory of God. 
Because we've been given what? Gifts. Differing one from another. And that's what makes these things so unique that it's by what? The grace of God. So we can see that it's by the measure of the gift of Christ. Three, the measure is the gift of Christ. The measure that he gives unto us is the gift of Christ. Or what is given in Christ to each and every one of us. Because as children of God, we are in in Jesus Christ all the time. It comes through Him. It comes through Jesus Christ. And He gives these things unto us. And one of the things I wrote down is we should not complain that that another has a more or better gift than he has. See, even the apostle Peter, he sat there and he says, and when he wrote in, I don't know what was first Peter, second Peter, but he says, you know, that his brother Paul, and he said that he wrote of things that somehow sometimes are hard to understand. But he didn't belittle him or didn't faith, didn't say that. I'm green with envy because what, what, what Paul has, because Peter knew that what Paul had was what? From God. From God. Because they all knew what had happened and everything. So he sees this. You know, what we receive is all of free grace. It's free grace. It's not free will. It's free because it's a gift. One of the things that Jesus does say, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's a free gift that he gives unto us. Free grace and in measure. Yet we might have gifts that are differing one from another, but you know what? All of it are useful. All of these gifts that he, everybody has. I know my, my wife has the gift of, uh, she sends out cards. She calls a lot of people. And that, that gift she has is what? Useful. They're all useful. Each one of us has a gift here that's in the church. And it, it's, it's useful to the building up of the church, to the edifying, the edifying of the church. We see these things. There's no room. This is what I'm saying with Brother Roger, Brother Leroy, and myself. You know, there's no room for pride, envy, or contempt. Because we're, we're here to do the will of the Lord. And that is to what? Feed the flock of God. Remember Jesus when he asked Peter. Remember Peter denied him three times. And they're all sitting around that fire of coals. And Jesus asked Peter, Do you love me, Peter? Peter says, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. What is, what is, what is Peter answer? 
feet. Oh, no, Jesus. I'm sorry. getting things confused now. Jesus says when Peter says, you know that I love you, he says, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Jesus, now I want you to go out and I want you to, to feed my sheep. And that's what we should be doing. You know, if you watch out and we don't have that, you know, it's going to break in upon the unity of the Spirit, isn't it? The unity of the Spirit. We look in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And if we go down to verse 16 in here, it says, from whom the whole body, from whom the whole body, I can't wait till I get to this, fitly joined together, and compacted, that means held together, held, compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the, listen to the word, the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So that edifying means building up the church. We're all working for the one thing, building up the church of God. So that we don't have envy, so... When we don't have envy, we don't have any what? Strife. We don't have any backbiting or anything in the church. We're all here together for the one same thing. Is that praising our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? So in, in the next couple of messages, we're going to be getting into verses 8, 9, and 10. They are, these are really going to be some deep verses. So I ask that you would continue to pray for me as I study out these words that are in here. Because in verse 8, we're going to be, it says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity and gave gifts unto men. Now that's very similar if you turn to Psalms, Psalm 68 and verse 18. It says there also, Thou hast ascended on high. Thou hast led captivity captive. Thou hast received gifts for men. Yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell among them. When we look at this, you know, it's a, this is a, a, a psalm of triumph, a psalm of victory. And that's what we're going to get in there. The victory, the victory of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and what he's done for us in our lives. We're so thankful for everything he does for us. I hope that what I brought out is going to help us to stay strong and stay as true in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and to see what he's done for us. He has given us grace according to the measure of his gift that he gives unto each and every one day by day. I thank you for your kind attention today.